This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is My Mind Emporium. Welcome to my podcast, everybody. I hope you guys are having a lovely Monday, even though most of you guys know that Monday sucks. Uh, but I try to make your Monday not suck though bad. You know, I know it sucks, um, uh, but it is what it is. I would tell y'all about my weekend, but I spent my whole weekend uh, fixing my stomach, girl. My stomach is out of way. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't doing nothing for me right now. It's just, ugh. So, today I had something that I know that went through my stomach out of whack. I had Del Taco. Del Taco is good. Always customize your food, you guys. You get exactly what you want, and it tastes great. It tastes great, Okay. So today's topic will be about the mysterious murder of Natalie Woods. But before we get into that, um, y'all know I like to talk about what's going on in the world. Some stories that I found. Some of them dark, some of them gruesome, some of them weird, some of them just, some of them just. Y'all got getting out of hand, by the way, with this whole vaccine thing. But, you know, we're not, that's not the first story I want to talk about. So we're going to talk about uh, some stories and then we're going to get into um, the, uh, the death of Natalie Woods. Um, the first story is from Baller Alert. Its contributor is Peach Kiss and it says Live Nightclub will be offering COVID-19 vaccines this weekend. The Stephen cases are rising daily in Florida, but that is not stopping partygoers from being outside. Live Nightclub in Miami, Florida will be serving shots in and outside the club over the weekend. Mobile Stephen vaccination units will be set up at the Fountain Blue on Saturday and Sunday from 1230 a.m. to 3 a.m. David Grootman, the club owner, says that he wants to stay open and the only way to do so is to ensure that everyone is vaccinated. We want to stay open and we know the only way for that to happen is that people get vaccinated. The club will be offering Pfizer vaccine and CDR health will plan to follow up with people for second doses three weeks later. Club Story will be providing vaccines next week. The Florida Department of Health released new data showing 134,506 new cases of the Stephen within the state over the past week and 175 deaths. The number of new cases surpassed last week high of 110,420 cases. By the way, they also had a freaking mobile van. What the hell is this mobile van when I need y'all to check my iron? Y'all can provide universal health care. Y'all can do that. And it's showing through what y'all doing with this damn vaccine. Assholes. Motherfuckers. Next story. Hollywood Unlock. This next story is from Hollywood Unlock. Its contributor is Deidre Monet. And it says Turkish influencer faced jail time for a joke photo at a sex museum. You know, the sex museum is asking for it, y'all. I'm sorry. An influencer from Turkey is facing serious charges after she took photos of the sex toys she's purchased at the museum while visiting the Netherlands. 
Merv Taskin, 23, was celebrating her birthday in the Netherlands last January and visited infamous sex museum in Amsterdam. She took photos of herself purchasing the sex toys and uploading the photo online. However, influencers said she was arrested several months later after officials caught white wind of the photos since the country laws prohibit the publication of obscene content. Oh! She was sent to court to face obscene charges and if convicted, Taskin will serve up to three years in prison. In jail. It's prison, dear. Jail is where you go to before they put you in and decide if your crime is bad enough or somebody press charges. Get y'all facts together. Um, girl, y'all, man, I did not know you can go to jail for showing this obscene content, but okay. So apparently it's up and stuck for black tea with Cardi B. This is from the Neighborhood Talk Instagram account. So black tea thought they was going to sit up there and drag Cardi B. I don't know why they have not learned from Tasha K. Okay, leave Cardi B the hell alone, okay? She's not bothering you, and she's not bothering me. Leave her alone, okay? Y'all know here, we really talk shit about Cardi B because I ain't got no issue with Cardi B. Cardi B is Cardi B. Um, So Black T tweeted, Cardi, you thirsty, coming, I'm coming, video editing now. You're thirsty. Then Cardi says on her tweet, she tweeted, thirsty about what? Haven't done shit, haven't said shit, literally chilling. Thirsty, you make videos of me four to five times a week while having child endangerment and child neglect charges. You will sit here, harass, and bully celebs because of your delusions in your head. Some of y'all get delusional when y'all start doing celebrity content and celebrities start acknowledging you. And then y'all start thinking that you and celebrities can go head to toe about that shit. Next, and this um, this is again with, um, with Cardi B tweeting. She says, you're not woman enough to ever have my name in your mouth. Anybody with these charges and anybody that defends you are a fucking disgrace. Talking harass on social media, but was in PC protection custody in jail. Leave me alone. And you see all the charges that um, who is ever is over Black T blog. You see all the charges they went through, honey. You got to check this out. This is Black T blog saying... It's a lie for me at Cardi B. Woo. Never neglected my kids all lies. I'm lying. This is you. I dare you to post a picture of your ID next to your ID picture I give 20K. That's your name and you are a California resident, Ebony. You're suing me. Baby, trust me. My lawyers will still be sending letters. And this, this is Black T. It says, you stupid ass. This was a domestic violence for me getting beat up. Y'all are idiots. Cardi B, lies. These are penal codes and these are what they mean. I also have the one of you with domestic violence. It's sad you were a victim of domestic violence, but on your page and channel, you constantly shame Megan. You use the black woman mom DV and when it's convenient. And they do. A lot of y'all do. Here's Black T. It says, I was never charged with child endangerment. Stop lying on me. Cardi, you was never charged, but you also said it was dismissed. Which one is it? This public record, sweetheart. Now you want to play victim. You instigate and make up drama every day, and now you want to play victim. Cut it out. Here's Black T. Let's get into it. Cardi, now Cardi is exposing a local black woman. How do you love to race bait as if you don't talk shit about Megan, Doja Cat, JT, and recently Normandy for no fucking reason? 
You love to harass black women, then use it the same way to play victim girl style. Here's Cardi again, and Cardi says, doxing it is when you put someone whole address and send people to harass. Yes, I'm pregnant. Yet while I'm pregnant, you don't stop harassing and bullying and instigating. How many videos have this woman did while I'm pregnant? Literally over 30, but I need to stop. Y'all better leave Cardi alone. She gonna sue the fuck out of you, Black T. Leave her alone. You saw what that other damn stupid ass did. Sit there talking shit about her child, and y'all think that it's not the great, the meat is not greasy. Leave that woman alone. If you personally don't like her, you personally don't like her. All right, we get it. Damn. All right. So this one is from HollywoodUnlocked.com, and I know this is shade from Meg the Stallion to the baby because y'all dragging the baby's ass all throughout the internet. It's so damn funny that he's not getting any more gigs because of this. But yet, y'all still, y'all think it's so funny. There's nothing funny about him losing gigs. There's nothing funny about him losing money. And Meg Thee Stallion decided to put icing on the damn cake. So this is from HollywoodUnlocked.com. Its contributor is Keisha Gale. And it says, Meg Thee Stallion believed that it's time for the rap community to tackle LGBTQ hate. It is really crucial. Just days after fellow rapper, the baby was dropped by several big music festivals over his homophobic remarks that he made at Rolling Loud. Meg Thee Stallion is now sharing her thoughts in a conversation about LGBT2, LGBTQ acceptance. While speaking to people as she teased her new Bitcoin for Heidi's video with Cash App, the 26-year-old rapper star told the outlet it's about time. She explained regarding the rap community finally confronting itself about the widespread rhetoric concerning the LGBTQ community. Representation is important and is really crucial for us to all have to compassion and acceptance of every human. As we previously reported, while performing Ed wrote aloud month, month last month, the baby said to fans of the crowd, you didn't show up today with HIV AIDS or any of these deadly sexual disease that will make you die in two or three weeks. Then put your cell phone light up. Lady, if your pussy smell like water, put your cell phone lighter up. Fellas, if you ain't sucking dick in the parking lot, put your cell phone lighter up. I still don't understand why he said that. It was like a fucking dumb, stupid, ghetto-ass move. Y'all be over the top saying stuff and you sound stupid. Anyway... As the clip circulated online, the baby continued to face backlash, which led to a total of seven festivals dropping him as a musical act. So, Meg Thee Stallion is showing you why she's that bitch. <laughs> she's like, okay, go against me all you want to, nigga. I'm going to push out this initiative to be acceptance of the LGBTQ community in the rap culture. So, there you have it. <sighs> Here we go again, talk about the Steven vaccine, girl. They just gonna keep pushing it until they can't push it no more. And then when everybody turns to aliens, then we all looking stupid. We're like, oh, shit. This is from the neighborhoodtalk.com. And this contributor is Naya Monroe. And it says San Francisco Sheriff Jeopardy's threatened to quit over COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Get into this. The vaccine must be making people scream because the San Francisco Sheriff Jeopardy's said that a number of their officers will quit or retire early if they are forced to get the Stephen vaccine. According to the mandate that was issued last month, city employees who work in the jails or other high-risk settings are required to be vaccinated by September 15th, or they risk losing their job. But the San Francisco Deputy Sheriff Association says on its Facebook page 
Friday that about 160 of 600 chef employees are rejecting the vaccine due to religion and other beliefs and would rather wear masks or test weekly. Reports say the staffing levels at the sheriff's office is already low and that the loss of more deputies will affect public safety. As of now, the officials are working with their human resource department to obtain full compliance by the deadline. This feeling very purges is to me. Y'all lose the police. We ain't got that girl. We ain't got no defense. Granted, the police ain't really defending my people like that. But still, uh, you do have police who do have good heart out there and who are defending people. But I'm just going to say this. Uh, once y'all get rid of the law, it's anarchy. Y'all ain't going to see me. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go back to the caves where we where we started off at. I ain't fucking with y'all crazy nut sex out here. I'm <laughs> not Okay, but it's ridiculous that it's causing most of the staff on the police station to quit because of this mandate. Um, I agree. I would rather get tested every day to make sure I don't have it than to actually take the vaccine. Okay. So y'all know I love royalty. I love royalty. I love the royal family tea. So apparently the Queen Elizabeth is just harboring all these pedophiles on her family, girl. This one is from HollywoodUnlocked.com. And this contributor is Alyssa Brooke. It says Queen's cousin, Simon Bowles Lyon. Yeah, y'all know Miss Bowles Lyon. Y'all know her. That's her mama. Leaves prison five months into sexual assault sentence. Girl. Queen Elizabeth, cousin, Simon Bowles Lyon is out on the streets again. Line is currently the Earl of Strathmore and Kinghorn, and he got out of after just serving five months of his 10-month sentence. According to the Mirror, Bo's Lion 35 was released from HMP Perth last week after he pleaded guilty to sexually abusing a 26-year-old woman at his home at Glamis Castle in Scotland. He was sentenced to just 10 months in jail and placed on the sex offender list. Queen Elizabeth, your family is special. This next one is from, uh, this next one I got from is all about TRH. And basically, it's about uh, Miss Mary Crosby and her son, Robert Crosby. And it says that the real housewife of Salt Lake City star, Mary Crosby, Cosby, and her son, Robert Cosby, each faced two counts of criminal charges. Court documents show that Mary and her son were charged for unlawfully providing shelter to a runaway and contributing to a minor delinquency on April 8, 2021. Both charges are misdemeanors. The two are both set to appear in Salt Lake City courtroom in August 12, 2021. So she in trouble for housing a child. Who was troubled? That's funny. Y'all funny. Y'all weird. That's weird as hell. I mean, th there's nothing wrong with this crime. All she did was house a child who was running away. You don't know what situation he was running into. <sighs> Another story about an influencer doing some stupid shit for likes. This is from HollywoodUnlike.com. And it says, this contributor is from Deja Monet. And it says, influencer under investigation after tying girlfriend to the roof of a Bentley in a viral video. 
An influencer from Moscow, Russia, is currently under investigation after he drove around his neighborhood while his girlfriend was tied to the roof of a Bentley in a viral video. Sergey Kostenko is currently under investigation by the Moscow State Traffic Inspectorate after the Dell Devil posted the video on his Instagram page earlier this week. The clip showed Kostenko driving the Bentley with his left hand cuffed with his left handcuff to his girlfriend's right hand as she tied to the roof of the Bentley. According to the Yahoo News, the video has gained over 86,000 likes and Kostenko claimed he practiced the stunt 20 times. Girl. The Moscow State Traffic Inspector Spectorate said in a statement that the employee of the Capital State Traffic Inspectorate initiated a check on the facts of a video posted on the internet in which a girl is tied on the roof of a moving car and Costin Co. reportedly doesn't own the car. Girl! <sighs> Stop doing stupid shit for likes. Um, this next one I got from uh, Fox 10 Phoenix Instagram account. It says, Father of four killed in West Phoenix hit and run police looking for driver. It says a family is speaking out as police continue their search for a driver who was involved in a hit and run crash in West Phoenix that left the father of four dead. Aaron Maldonado Maldonado was his way home, was on his way home from work at around 10 a.m. on July 30th when someone driving a brown or tan Chevrolet Tahoe hit his pickup truck near 71st Avenue and Thomas Road before taking off. The suspect is believed to be a Hispanic male between the ages of 25 and 35 with short, dark hair. He left a good man there, a good man dying alone, said Aaron Widow, Crystal Mondaldo. Just such a coward, coward person to do such a thing. Um, That's unfortunate. I pray for his family. That's sad. Uh, You know, and he's going to jail for the rest of his life. They don't play about hit and runs. The next story, this one is also sad. Um, it's sad, but when you think about the city it's happening in, that's weird, right? This is from raphouse.tv. It says, female Chicago cop, 29, shot dead during a traffic stop. Armed confrontation, she leave behind a two-month-old and is the first officer to be killed in city since 2018. This is sad. Um, it's sad. And it's sad. It's just bad in Chicago, period. So, y'all pray for her family. All right. So, y'all thought I was joking when I said this. I wasn't joking when I said this. I'm telling the truth. I found this on HollywoodUnlocked.com. Um, and this contributor is Jamal Osborne. It says, researchers discover new COVID-19 variant, Lambda. I've been telling y'all about Lambda. It has been found in the United States, including in Texas, where researcher found it its first case. In the last month, 1,060 cases of COVID of the Stephen has reportedly been caused by Lambda variant. While the number is still not close to the rising cases caused by the Delta variant, experts are still going to watch Lambda very closely. Dr. Gregory Cullen, director at the Mayor Clinic, expressed to CNN, I think any time a variant is identified and demonstrated capacity to rapidly spread in population, you have to be concerned. 
we gonna end up getting we gonna end up going back inside y'all i want to congratulate i haven't been really um doing this but i found this from the nigerian woman diary underscore and it says um u.s athlete Alyssa montana who is five months pregnant won the 800 meters at the u.s nationals okay so it wasn't at the the game but i'm trying to figure out girl not you running while you pregnant i can't and i'm not with this <laughs> i mean i don't even run and i'm not pregnant i mean i should run but i'm just saying the fact that she won the nationals in the U.S. meter run, kudos to you, girl, because it's not me. That concludes today's stories uh, that I found to be interesting. Um, This is going to be a disclaimer for me. This story um, is an old Hollywood story. It's now considered an old Hollywood story um, because it happened a long time ago. The circumstances um, Natalie Woods died under are very suspicious and nobody have any concrete evidence to who and what were behind her death. My thoughts and prayers go out to her family still she did leave behind children. She left behind a husband. Um, but this case is the most mysterious case of all time for me. Um, every time I see this case, I just... And, and the more evidence they come up with and the more they come up with something, the more this case looks like what the hell is happening here. Um, so the disclaimer I'm trying to make here is that... Even if my theories are correct and they find out years later that what I'm saying has some truth, understand they are theories, they are my thoughts, and um, it what I'm saying is just my opinion, my honest opinion on what happened to Nellie Woods. Now, I should say this in all cases I'm talking about and I'm discussing every case that I do on here. If I give my theory and my theory is correct, I humbly will tell you it's just a theory. I have no evidence. I was not at the crime scene. I wasn't even born when this lady died. Um, so please understand I'm not working off of what he or she, she said. This is going off of what I have concocted in my brain as a person. So um, I have to say this about every case I talk about and every situation I talk about. If I get the story wrong, like I did with Martine um, Mosley, Amois, the first lady of Haiti, I will come back here and I will apologize for getting any information that I put out wrong. I am trying to be as credible as possible. Um, I don't believe in spreading rumors. I don't believe in telling stories that are not true. So if I come on here and I say something and, and it hits the, the nail right on the head with the hammer, I, I'm just good at this, all right? I'm just good at this. So we're going to discuss this um, age-old case of Nellie Woods, Hollywood famous actress that was murdered on a boat. 
So sit back and relax. I don't know if I'm going to have an article that's going to have details that are grimy. So have the popcorn on deck um, just in case I don't have any grimy evidence. Um, we're just dealing with what the article is saying. And if the article is right and the evidence the article has right, you cannot get mad at me. Um, but this is a, a case dealing with a Hollywood murder. So, y'all sit back, relax, get some popcorn if you got a good stomach. We'll be delving into one of the oldest Hollywood cases of all times. Um, so, yeah. I found this article by Vanity Fair. So, I'm pretty sure it's not going to delve too much on the uh, deep side of this. Um, but I found this on Vanity Fair. It was written by Suzanne Finstad. Um, she wrote it on March 11, 2020. So it was, it's pretty recent. It says, Natalie Wood's drowning was not an accident. A new book, Shocking Findings. An exclusive excerpt from Natalie Wood's Suzanne Finstad definitive biography, which contained new details about Wood's mysterious death. In 1981, bit screen legend Natalie Wood went missing from the yacht she shared with her husband, Robert Wagner, only to be found approximately six hours later floating face down in the Pacific Ocean. In 2000, Sam Kashner revisited the tragedy for Vanity Fair, detailing the ambiguity that had prompted decades of speculations about whether Wood's drowning was really an accident. The next year, Suzanne Finstad released Natasha, the definite, the 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 the, 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 the definitive biography of Wood, which shed every even more light on the night Wood passed away. In 2011, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department officially reopened its investigation into Wood's death. Now, nearly 20 years later, Fenstad is re-releasing her book as Natalie Wood: The Complete Biography, an even more comprehensive volume that includes new details Fenstad had learned about Wood's death. Since her book first edition, details that, according to the author, show even more conclusively, conclusively that Wood didn't drown by chance. Below, the author revealed her most explosive findings and explained why now, more than ever, she believed Ragnar played a role in the fall that killed Natalie Wood. Now, let me give a little uh, commentary on this, uh, which is that's kind of my job anyway. Um, you understand she. Uh, wrote this article March 11th. This was before the lockdown. Y'all understand a lot of times with these old cases, when you have some time to sit in the house and you ain't doing nothing and you're on lockdown like some people were last year, you have time to sit back and look at some old situations and to re-see things that you did not see and to catch it because you have to sit down and think about it. Um, So... I feel like this lady, she sat down and she thought about it. And she was like, wait a minute, I missed this. I missed that. So I understand where it's coming from. I will continue reading the article. It says, as I was writing the last chapter of Natasha, the title of the first edition of this book, 20 years after Natalie Wood's death, I felt a sense of urgency to get the book, get the pages into print. 
For more than four years, I have been the keeper of Nellywood's deepest, darkest secrets, her crippling fears, harrowing superstition, terrible incidents from her past that, that few knew of. Nellie never disclosed her history or her trauma except, except through her fragile vulnerability and in her tender old soul eyes. As I plunged her past, Nellie demons and their origins revealed themselves to me as if released from a genie's limb. Family violence. An alcoholic father, a pathological attachment to her Spengali stage mother, psychologically abused as a child star, paranoia, phobias, a bedroom, a storybook doll she believed were alive and spoke to her, pimped at 15 to Frank Sinatra, forced to return an engagement ring to her high school sweetheart who tried to kill himself afterwards, exploited into sexual liaisons as a teenager with the 42-year-old director Nicholas Ray to prove that she could play a bad girl and rebel without a cause. You see that little fucked up Hollywood shit that's popping up about this? Now, I never knew that. Y'all see what I'm saying? There's always something dark about this. So when y'all see child stars get into situations or you see child stars suffering from something, this is what's going on around these children. Let me continue. The secrets that were buried deep in Nellie's closet of skeletons was the shocking end of her fairy tale first marriage to Bobby Sock's idol, Robert Ragnar, known to his friends as RJ to protect Ragnar's image. Nellie publicly took the fall for their sudden divorce in 1961. She never refuted fan magazine and gossip that her marriage to Ragnar imploded over an alleged affair she had with her co-star Warren Beatty while filming Splendor in the Grass. In the time, the gossip paid patently false was reported as fact. Only a trusted few knew Nellie's account. I was told by three of Nellie's close friends, by her mother's best friend and her sister Lana, that Natalie came upon RJ in their Beverly Hills mansion in flagrant with a man. Lana recalled Natalie arriving in hysterics at their parents' home and her hands bleeding and shedding herself in her old bedroom. Nellie woke up in the hospital days and in shock after taking the overdose of sleeping pills and going into a coma. This That was as much as I wrote, but there is more to the story, too. The fallout from a lifetime of psychological damage and abuse led Nellie to multiple suicide attempts, daily psychoanalysts, and a fear of being alone at night so primal and deep-seated that she regressed to her child self. Her greatest fear, I discovered, derived from prophecy told to her superstitious Russian mother by a gypsy, namely that she would die in a dark water. Ooh, boy, girl. That's scary. Sometimes it's best if you don't know everything, honey, okay? Let me continue. That was as much as I wrote, but there's... Okay, yeah, I already said that. It says, I also discovered that Natalie Woods drowning was not an accident. Homicide detective in the L.A. Sheriff's Department kept what they call a murder book, the, the official record of a homicide investigation. I was given access to Natalie Wood's murder book. There I found that the very clue to where, where what really happened on the last weekend of her life. As the evidence slowly and painstakingly mounted, it became disturbingly clear to me that not, not only was Natalie's death was not an accident, but the ensuing investigation was almost non-existent. As a self-described dutiful child, Natalie was trained by her mother to keep silent to not rock the boat. As she got older, she kept her silence, often to protect others, as was Natalie's way. During her life and death, even after her death, no one that I could see have ever protected her. 
certainly not her mother. The directors who exploited her, the student executives who looked the other way, the men who abused her, or the sheriff detectives and coroners examiners investigating her drowning in 1981. An archive of forgotten facts, hidden truths, and concealed evidence about Natalie Woods. What is most shocking is Robert Ragnar's role in her drowning. The man that Natalie Woods married not only once but twice, with, uh, who often would often say with a glass raised, she takes my breath away. Refused to search for two and a half hours when Natalie went missing from their boat in the water of Catalina Island. Mm. Of all Natalie Woods' secret that I held in 2001, the secret was the reason for my urgency. I had to come to release the unimaginable, horrible reason that she had drowned and I need to make a public the public the dark and twisted facts of her drowning in its aftermath. I had uncovered the fact that using the sheriff's murder book, put them together and shrunk them in a row like lights on a Christmas tree, revealing the full horror of the strange doom that night. I, I don't like the Christmas tree thing. I don't like when y'all choose something joyful and make it dark. Anyway, it would not change the outcome of Natalie was drowning, but it would be evidence after Natasha that she did not cause her own death because she was drunk from wine and champagne as the coroner Thomas Naguchi stated. People would come to see as I had that Natalie Woods drowning was not an accident. Originally, I found three new witnesses. One is confidential sources that I put in touch with Ralph Hernandez, one of the investigators put in charge of the case when the L.A. Sheriff's Department officially reopened its investigation into Woods drowning in November 2011. The sources had informed that Christopher Walken said he heard the night between the heard the fight between RJ and Natalie, and that he told a friend not long after Natalie drowned that Ragnar pushed her. You know, I always thought Christopher Walken was crease creepy, like creepy as all get out. There's a reason why that man don't smile. Y'all do know that he doesn't smile, right? Like he's never smiled ever in his life. See why? Uh, let me continue. Lana once asked Hernandez and Kevin Lowe that the two lead investigators about Walken's new, new statement. Wow said the only way Chris talked to them is if it was never disclosed. After they spoke with him, they told me they had enough to charge RJ. So the other two new witnesses were present at Natalie Wood's autopsy, Vital Herrera whom I learned about from a documentary producer, took photographs of Natalie's body for the coroner's office. Herrera told us he observed significant wounds to Natalie's head. Ralph Hernandez, who took his sworn statement, has seen the original photo and concurred that Natalie had wounds are troubling. Head wounds that may indicate that she was in a violent fight and was pushed or tossed in the water while unconscious. Because Wagner deckhand Disney Zarman omitted from his statement to the police the push by Wagner that he acknowledged when he thought he was off camera, Hernandez still lacked a witness to establish how Natalie got in the water or, in effect, who put her there. With that witness, the district attorney office might agree to take the case against Wagner to a grand jury. According to Lana, the district attorney told her that she wants a smoking gun. Dr. Michael Franco may be able to provide a missing link. Franco, a family medicine specialist in Los Angeles, was an intern at the L.A. coroner's office when Natalie's body was flown to Los Angeles County and USC Medical Center from Catalina. 
as a volunteer intern in 1981, he wasn't listed as a coroner employee and therefore would not have been questioned. Franco observed what he certainly is critical physical evidence and on Natalie's body that established her death was a homicide. For 40 years, Franco has kept silent, not wanting to be put into the meanless circus. After decades of reflection and my persuasion, he decided that coming forward was the right thing to do. Well, Franco observed and found suspicious with the bruises on Natalie's interior thighs and shin. Bruises he described as friction burns. He told, told me what struck him as wrong. I remember the striations were in the opposite direction of someone trying to get on the boat. It was also like somebody being pushed off. And because of the significant amount of bruising in the lower anterior thighs and shin, that's caught my attention. She would have had to been pushed forcefully off on there was a force that was pushed her off, pushing her off or something. The amount of noticeable bruising to the thighs shouldn't have been there. Franco took it up with Dr. Noguchi. I mentioned to him the abrasions on Natalie. I told him I was having trouble understanding. Then I said that they seemed to be in the opposite direction of what one expects as to her cause of death. I remember when I told him who I said, he hesitantly stopped doing what he was doing, looked up at me, nodded his head, didn't say anything, and then he continued what he was doing. What he, what he said was, some things are best left unsaid. So this sounds like Noguchi was a... Uh, let me continue with the story I missed my spot again I hate that Noguchi admission momentarily confused Franco it wasn't sure what that meant initially, so I slid there. Noguchi, he came to believe, was acknowledging a cover-up in the coroner's office. However, it was written up that all you need to know, Noguchi went on to say, according to Franco. Franco stood there, staring at him. Again, he had his head down and wasn't looking at me, and he wasn't saying anything, and I thought, this is my cue to step back. So I played with that for the rest of my life. Now, Franco is ready to share what he saw with Hernandez. Natalie Wood's death wasn't an accident. Somebody pushed her. I wasn't following the case, so I didn't know who, I, who, all played, who all the players were. I wasn't playing detective. I wasn't interested in all the information. All I knew was what I said. I knew that this wasn't a simple drowning. She had some raging that I could, that I could come to conclusion that she was pushed off or whatever it was she was holding on to. There is no reason to have those unless you're being pushed off a surface. And there was deeper than just a simple slip off because there is some back and forth. There's another possibility. Would a Wagner dropped the dinghy to make it look like Nellie had gone offshore, which was the story he gave the police. Darren said he heard the dinghy had been dropped into the water and after the horrific, hor horrible fight he heard overheard on the rear deck that he saw RJ somewhere near the dinghy. The next time Darren saw him, he was sweating, looking like he's been in a struggle, and said the dinghy was gone. The last word that Darren heard him say to Natalie were, get off my fucking boat. In his revised police statement, Darren said that RJ refused to let him turn on the searchlight to look for Natalie. The striations that Franco saw on her body on the autopsy are consistent with the possibility that Natalie tried to hoist herself on the dinghy from the water somewhere, Frankie said, was pushing her 
down and wouldn't let her stay on. Franco believed that the L.A. coroner office covered up the true case cause of Natalie Wood's death. Whatever they decided wasn't going to be questioned. This just, I mean, you know, it's kind of sounds like this whole, you know, this sounds like to me, because there's another case out there that, that people always talk about, and it's the Tupac case, and it seemed like even the the LAPD and the Las Vegas PD look like suspicious in this, because it seemed like they all had something to do with what went down or the cause of it. Like, y'all ain't right at all. I don't want to piss nobody off in California. That's all I have to say. Let me continue with this story. It says, Alan Abbott of Abbott and Hass Mortuary handled transportation for Westwood and Mortuary, the morticians who involved Nellie Wood's body. He bore witness literally to a cover-up reopened in his, in his 2016 book, Nellie, about Rhodes. Was dressed in a huge fur coat and was covered in bruises from where she had hit the rocks. They chose the coat so the bruising wouldn't be visible with the open casket. Y'all ain't shit, man. Lana Woods now referred to Natalie's death as a murder. She ceased thinking about Guy McIlwain, powerful Hollywood agent who represented her sister. A few days after Natalie drowned, McIlwain dropped to see Lana. he just been to RJ's house and he said that RJ told him what happened that night on the boat. I would tell you, but I don't trust you, McIlwin told Lana. What do you mean, she asked. Well, replied McIlwin, someday you're going to say something and I don't want RJ hurt. Nobody wants to be hurt anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, because it's not like the fucking bastard hurt her. You know, we don't want to hurt him, but she's already dead, had scratches and shit on her. Like, yeah, it's totally okay for her to be hurt, but it's not okay for him to be hurt. I hate y'all. I hate all y'all in this motherfucker. I hate y'all. What about Natalie? In the memoir, she began but ultimately deemed to reveal to the published. Natalie wrote, Daisy Clover faced over every... Daisy Clover faced every major crisis alone. There was nobody to pull her out of trouble. If I felt there was a lot of, of me in Daisy... Leia has no one to protect her in her life in, or in death. She struggled along in a dark sea like the tiny brave sailboat in her favorite painting or Corbett's. She kept her near to her, leaving out her worst nightmare with no one responding to her calls for help. All three men on the boat with Natalie that night should be held accountable for her drowning. She went off to the Splendor after a fight with RJ, so heated that it would be heard on the other boats, yet hours passed before anyone with Natalie called for help. That chilling fact and their silence afterwards twine Ragnar, Davin, and Walken in a Chikovian tragedy with no resolution short of confession. That concludes the article. Let me get my little two cents. I don't think I need, y'all need to hear my two cents because I already kind of told y'all, everybody's a piece of shit. Um, her death was covered. And the truth is, everybody knew what was happening. But because he's rich and because he has money, he's been able to live his life freely. But it does not mean that his conscience is not scrubbed, scraped, 
are cleaned off. You know, you can cover up the fact that you murdered somebody. You can avoid going to prison for it, avoid serving life in prison, avoid serving, serving a death penalty. You can avoid that all you want to. But it's your conscience to have to live with the action that you dealt with. So I have nothing more to say about this situation because I feel like what is said in the article is exactly how I felt about it was that she was not protected and that everybody knew exactly what happened. But people just want to sit up here and protect the person that murdered her and keep it a secret because that person has money and that money has power and that person has respect. Uh, my heart and prayer still goes out to her family. Um, I hope they get the closure that they deserve. And I'm sure a certain person's uh, conscience is eating them up because of what has happened to his wife. With that being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. This is My Mind Emporium. I hope you guys are having a beautiful, lovely Monday. And I hope I didn't keep you guys um, from having nightmares and shit. I know one thing. I can't visit California. <laughs> that shit scared the hell out of me. I mean, you can't piss nobody off. I ain't even me. Girl, shoot. I need to be careful how I do stuff. Um, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. Um, it's so crazy. It's crazy to me. Uh, and it's so sad. And the reason why I say it is because it was a, a woman that died, you know, and not just because it's a woman, because it was three burly ass men that saw this whole situation. The next uh, case I'll be talking to you guys. Okay, I got this case wrong. It's about Danielle Embo and Richard Patron Jr. This couple went missing, but I'm going to tell y'all in tomorrow's podcast the couple I was actually talking about. But this couple still went missing too. They still have not found them and they left behind the sun. So um, I'll be talking about this couple and I'll also be adding a feature to this with um, the couple that actually went missing at Coachella Valley. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. This is My Mind Emporium. I am like a so outie.